With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau. And today I'm joined by sports columnist Ann Kellyan to preview Golden State's conference final showdown against the Houston Rockets. So here we are. It's finally here, the, the moment we've all been waiting for. I feel like we've been waiting for this moment since the season opener when uh, that that late jumper by Durant was ruled off and uh, Warriors fans went home from Oracle Arena grumbling because the the Rockets stole one on opening night. It, ever since that moment, it's felt like we've been on a collision course to the Western Conference Finals showdown between the Warriors and the Rockets. We're finally here. What are your initial thoughts? Well, I'm glad it's it. You know, I'm glad we finally get the matchup we've all been waiting for. I mean, what you think about in past years, we haven't gotten it. And, and um, you know, Houston has had such a terrible playoffs last year. It was so disappointing um, that, you know, you, you kind of wondered if they'd actually get here. I mean, I think Warriors fans have been watching from across on this side of the country, watching them saying, are they, you know, are they for real? Are they for real? And obviously they are for real. But, you know, you think about last year, the Western Conference Finals was – you know, watered down because of Kawhi's injury. And so it wasn't quite the matchup um, that we had hoped there. You know, I, I mean, this is probably, I would say of, well, since, since Oklahoma city, I think this is probably the most, um, the most exciting matchup that they've, that they've faced. And, and like you said, I mean, the anticipation has been there since game one and, and you're right. The Warriors fans went home that night, you know, I mean, they, you know, still with the buzz from a championship, still thinking their team was the dominant one. And then, oh, here comes this Houston team that, you know, what a joke, putting Harden and Chris Paul together. That'll never work. Um, and they come in and they take that game and then they get off to what I think was a 25-4 and four start and just kind of, you know, run away with things and never – I mean, I think I think we all thought it was kind of silly when they were – it seemed like they were celebrating their first half – before the all-star game championship that they were the number one seed but you know it turns out that that was for real and um and so yeah this is this is a real threat I mean it is it's going to be fun there's storylines aplenty there's relationships everywhere and uh I think I think we're in for a good one yeah so you mentioned there's a ton of good storylines and I always tell everyone you know as a journalist, as a sports writer, I'm rooting for good stories. I don't care who wins. I don't care what happens. I'm just rooting for good stories. And this series has a lot of them. And just kind of touching on a couple of them, um, there's the history between Mike D'Antoni and Steve Kerr. Uh, obviously, they were together back in their Phoenix days. Um, there's elements of that that nine seconds or less offense that 
D'Antoni implemented in Phoenix. There's elements of that in what the Warriors do now. Um, and what's interesting about that is obviously they were together for one year and I'm doing a story on this later. So we, we can, you'll, you'll learn more about this later, but basically they ended on kind of weird terms. D'Antoni asked, uh, out of Phoenix ended up taking a deal with, uh, with the Knicks that ended up doubling his salary. A lot of that has been attributed to a little bit of a riff with Steve, but it seems like things have really calmed down and cooled off and they, they say nothing but good things about each other at this point. So there's that. What are some of your other favorite uh, connections between these two teams? Well, speaking of that one, that is just astonishing too, because as we know, having covered Steve Kerr for all these years, there's no one who has anything bad to say about him. There are very few people who have ever had a rift with him, except maybe when he punched Michael Jordan in the face. But, um, you know, I mean, and Michael Jordan loves him. <laughs> and Michael Jordan loves him for doing that. But, yeah, I mean, it's the fact, you know, it, it's kind of mind blowing from, from the vantage point here that Steve Kerr would have tension with anyone because, you know, he's, he's pretty much the most well liked guy in all of sports that I've dealt with. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love the Kevin Durant, James Harden, former teammates. You know, uh, so much was made of Durant leaving Oklahoma City. Well, James Harden was the first one to leave that trio that of three of the greatest players in the league and, um, and you know, obviously came, became his own superstar once he got away from the, the, the trio. Um, and then there's the Chris Paul, uh, Steph Curry dynamic that, you know, goes back many years, as we know. You know, I mean, when... When Steph, um, Steph idolized uh, Paul, you know, he was one of his, his uh, mentors, and, and when he came up, he very much, um, you know, I think was compared, and he probably compared himself to Chris Paul. They were in the same uh, conference, I mean, same division, and played each other a lot, and um, then there was that, you know, that seven-game series, uh, Mark Jackson's last hurrah with the Warriors when when the Clippers eliminated the Warriors and it looked like, you know, the Clippers were really the team on the rise, the team that was going to be the dominant team um, in the Pacific. And and, uh, and then all of a sudden, the tables get completely turned and, and Steph dominates and Steph becomes the star and Steph gets the endorsement and Steph has the rings and Steph is the one who, you know, is getting the all-star berths and Steph is the one who's at MVP and Steph's the one who breaks Chris Paul's ankles in a, in a video that's been replayed on the internet 75 bazillion times. So, I mean, I think that that is, um, you know, an interesting dynamic as well. I mean, it's just, there, there's, you know, and I'm sure Draymond Green will get booed every time he touches the ball because that's what happens everywhere he is. Um, and just the whole starting on the road thing, I think, is really interesting. I don't know, you know, what you think. You've seen this team all season on the road and and at home, and I'm just wondering, what do you think starting on the road is really going to mean for them? Because that's the first time we've seen it uh, since this run has begun. You know, I actually don't think it's a bad thing. It actually could end up being a, a very positive thing for this team because – this team, for much of the season, had a much better road record than they had at home. I think they finished with the, actually the exact same record on the road as they did at home. But much of the season, they were dominant on the road really before we got toward the end of the season and the complacency set in and the games didn't matter. 
But, uh, you know, and I think the fact that they've never been in this position before is actually going to be even more motivation for them. Instead of protecting something, they have to attack something. They have to go into someone else's house and take it. And I think they're confident in themselves that they'll be able to take at least one of these. And if they play the way they know they can play, they can take two of these. And if you're up 2-0, coming back to Oakland, I mean, that's that's a great spot to be in. But that's definitely going to be an intriguing element. This is the first time since Steve Kerr took over this team in 2014 that they've had to travel to open a playoff series, which is kind of crazy to even think about because it basically means they've had the best record in the league the past you know, three years, which is which is true, but um, this this is a team where, you know, Maury Daryl Maury, their GM, has been very open and upfront about wanting to do everything he can to beat the Warriors. You know, he said he's obsessed with them. He said that he had to raise his risk profile to to go after the Warriors, and obviously, it's worked pretty well. Picked up Chris Paul. And then, you know, a couple of moves that I think are underrated is, yes, he got Chris Paul last summer, but he also got Luke Mbamute and P.J. Tucker, who are two guys who could potentially do a nice job on Kevin Durant, which I think is kind of a key in this series because the reason why the Pelicans didn't really put up a real threat is they had no answer for Durant. I think that the Rockets have as good of an answer for Durant as anyone in the league. They have three really good perimeter defenders in Mbamute, P.J. Tucker and Trevor Ariza. You're never going to completely stop Durant, but they can at least contain him as well as anyone. But all that being said, what do you think of the fact that Daryl Morey has been so upfront about being obsessed with the Warriors, going after them, and also on the flip side of that, the Warriors' reaction to it, which has been very dismissive. Obviously, Draymond kind of leading the charge on that, saying we don't care. We've won two championships in three years. We're not going to say we want to play anyone. What have you thought about that whole dynamic? Well, I, I kind of enjoy Morey's being so upfront about it. I mean, I, you know, you don't get that a lot in sports. Um, you get more of the dream on like, uh, you know, we're not really looking at anyone else. We're worried about ourselves. But I think that, you know, all all teams that set the gold standard, whether it be the Bulls, you know, or the Lakers or the 49ers back in their heyday or, or you know, what's happened in baseball. I mean, it's a copycat sports world. And so obviously – Everyone wants to figure out how to beat the Warriors. Everyone wants to be the Warriors. Everyone, uh, everyone sees what they can do and tries to figure out how do we emulate that? How do we come close? How do we stop them? So I just, I enjoy the honesty because, duh, I mean, that's really the way every GM in the league, if they don't feel that way, they should. Um, and But at the same time, I don't think Draymond's not being honest. I think Draymond's mindset is, you know, we haven't been sitting there obsessing about this team because we've already won two championships, been to a game seven in the third. I mean, we we know who we are now that it's here. Bring it on. Um, you know, and I think that these guys and it's kind of why I think we saw the the, um, you know, lit, lackadaisical attitude at times at the end of the season is, you know, they know when it's for real and it's for real right now. And I think they're they're pumped about it. Um, you know, but, but yeah, I don't think they were looking ahead, um, wondering, Ooh, I hope we get Houston because, you know, they've, they've been through this so many times and they've seen Houston, you know, not play well. They've seen, uh, you know, just all sorts of the, the teams that were supposed to, that were supposed to be there in their path haven't been. And so, um, I think they're kind of in their, you know, they've got their muscle memory going of how do you navigate these three months 
um, in at this time of year. But but at the same time, I think now that it's here, yeah, bring it on. They're they're happy about it. Uh, Maury did a, obviously a nice job last summer bringing in Paul and bringing in those de- defensive oriented guys that we just talked about. But with that being said, still entering this season, a lot of people thought that the Rockets were still a big move or two away from being a real contender, from really pushing the Warriors. You know, there was a lot of talk about them maybe bringing in a Carmelo, which in retrospect probably wouldn't have been a great move. But they wanted to bring in Carmelo. They wanted to bring in another big-name guy. They actually went hard after Andre Iguodala and weren't able to get him. Um, and so they kind of had to settle for what they got. But that, but even when all the dust settled, I think that Mike D'Antoni's done a ter- terrific job with this team. The thing that I appreciate about Mike D'Antoni is he's he's really simplistic, and I and I mean that in a complimentary way. He understands that for players to be at their best, they need to not overthink. They need to feel comfortable with what they're doing. They run the same play basically over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over. They just do high pick and roll, high pick and roll, high pick and roll, high pick and roll. You know, their their shooters, Ryan Anderson and uh eric gordon and and those guys just run to the corner and try and wait to get the ball to jack up threes that's all they do but no one's been able to stop it this year they've won 65 games because they're very good at what they do and they've been much better defensively than in past seasons i think largely because of the additions of tucker and 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 Bamute. um but what have just been your thoughts on what they've been able to do this year obviously no one expected them to really seriously push the Warriors for the number one seed in the West, much less win it by a pretty wide margin. Well, I, I would agree with you. D'Antoni's done a, a great job. And I think the biggest thing is just integrating Chris Paul and James Harden together because that's the thing nobody thought was going to work. They were like, oh, both those guys want the ball in their hands all the time. They're kind of ball hogs. They're not super, you know, distributors. They, they – uh, you know, they just didn't seem – it didn't seem like it was going to create any kind of good chemistry. It seemed like it would be more of, a, you know, the kind of dynamic you see in Oklahoma City with Russ. Uh, and and so I think however he's doing it – and I really don't know much about the internal chemistry of the team, but, but that's worked beautifully. And I also do agree with you that they are – a lot better defensively than they get credit for because their offensive so is so their offense is so explosive but you can't win that many games in the NBA in the regular season without being pretty good defensively and and they're a lot better i think i think that's some a little trap that warriors fans have gotten into cuz they think well James Harden isn't very good defensively so the the uh the uh rockets aren't very good defensively and that's that's not true now so i think yeah the warriors are going to have their hands full one thing that I'm curious about, and I want your thoughts on this, is does does Steve stick with the Hamptons five going forward as as his starting lineup? Obviously, we know that that group is going to play a lot, but do they stay as the starting unit? I wouldn't be at all surprised if they don't <laughs> for the first game. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, that's something you you beat guys spend a lot of time looking at who's going to start and who's not. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I could see Kevon Looney getting in there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? You're the, you're the expert on on the guessing of the starting lineup game. Um, I think you bring up a good point. If it's not going to be the Hamptons five, I think Kevon Looney starts at the five. 
um, because Kavan has been so good against Houston this year. There was the game in January in Houston where I think he had the best game of his career. He completely shut down Chris Paul. The thing about Kavan that makes him a real asset to this team is he's so good at switching off ball screens and defending guards. And that's a really important asset against this team because they have so many lethal guards. So if you can defend the perimeter and also be a threat near the rim, you're going to be a really important cog in this series. And Kavan, I think, can do that as well as really anyone on this team. And so I think Kavan's going to play major minutes in this series. I see him being kind of an X factor. Um, Does he start? Maybe, maybe not. There's part of me that feels like – Steve is going to stick with the Hamptons five just because it's been working. And, you know, even though I've been heaping praise on Kavan, no one's better defensively than Draymond Green um, as a small ball five. So who's going to be on Harden and who's going to be on Paul, do you think? That's a good question. Um, It's going to be some sort of tandem between Iguodala and Clay Thompson. I think they're both going to take turns on each of those guys. Um, I don't see the Warriors sending a wave of double teams toward those guys in the past. They haven't really done that. That's not really Steve's philosophy. Um, I think they're going to just kind of trust in Clay and Iguodala. If I had to guess, I, I would think that Iguodala gets a little bit more time on Harden than than Clay does. Um, Iguodala, I think, is as is as smart of a defensive player as there is in this in, as there is in this league, and that is really important when you're defending a guy like James Harden, who is so good at getting fouled. I mean, he's the best. He's made a real art of getting fouled. He has all these little tricks. He has all these little hand things that he does. Don't grab the candy. Don't grab the candy, like Steve always says. Yeah, and I know know it's become a source of frustration for anyone who has to guard him, but uh, Iguodala knows how to not fall into those types of tricks and those types of games. And so... I think that he gives the Warriors the he's a part of, he's part of the reason why the Warriors in my opinion have an upper hand in this series because he can at least help contain Harden. I don't think that the Rockets have anyone that can stop Curry. They don't they don't have anyone. I mean, Chris Paul's okay defensively, not really. Harden is straight up bad defensively. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Harden uh Unless unless he's changed, uh, you know, remarkably that when I haven't been watching um, and I was watching last series. So I don't think that's true. Yeah, he's just not that good defensively. Chris Paul, I think we you know, he's he's a step slower than he used to be. And I I, yeah, I I, but but the thing is, um, you know, we've seen Curry be, you know, a little bit on a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, I'm going to guess uh, he, I mean, he looked great on on um, Tuesday night. He looked really good on Sunday in New Orleans. He looked not good on Friday in New Orleans. Now he's going to have five days off. Um, I would expect him to be um, pretty pretty healthy and and ready to go. So yeah, I mean, that's they do have defensive. While they're better defensively, they they do have defensive shortcomings. So I, I'm also curious about how the the whole vibe is going to be in the city of Houston because. You know, the, the Warriors eliminated these guys uh, two out of the past three years. And then last year, Rockets fans were just really frustrated with the way the, the thing ended. And you know, their team looked like they weren't even interested at the end. Um, so, and, but there's, there's a lot of good things going on in Houston. I mean, the Astros are, are the bomb. And uh, 
have won a world championship. There's, and it's interesting in sports towns how those things kind of come in waves. Like, like you're, it's happening a little bit right now in Philadelphia. It's obviously happened here in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland, uh, Boston. So it's, it's, I think that there is a, a vibe and an expectation and an anticipation that maybe hasn't been there in the past, kind of bouncing off that, um, that world championship by the Astros. So I, I think it's going to be fun. And I think there's, I mean, I was at those previous uh, Rockets Warriors playoff series, and there was a little bit of a bad vibe. You know, Trevor Aziza is not uh, anyone's favorite because he took down Steph. Um, if we all remember that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be – I think it'll be fun. And Clint Capella is the new the new enemy number one, public enemy number one for the, for the Warriors because he had the gall and the audacity to say that the Rockets are better than the Warriors. This is all, also a guy who I think is 23 years old and probably learning what it means to have a microphone in his face at all times. <laughs> um, but uh, – <laughs> You know, a lot of people have mentioned that Capella is uh, is an X factor because he's really been kind of a breakout star in this in these playoffs. He's been great, and you know, kind of going along with what we were saying about D'Antoni, his his job is very simple. He goes up, he sets a, he sets a screen, and he rolls to the basket. He sets a screen, he rolls to the basket, but he's great at it because he's got a great first step. He's very athletic, can soar as as high as anyone in this league. And uh, it's going to be really important for the Warriors to be able to defend that while also having to keep in mind that they have to guard the perimeter. Basically, with the with the Rockets, you ha- you have to pick your poison. You have to say, okay, are we going to let them shoot threes? Are we going to let them just be open along the perimeter and shoot threes? Or are we going to let them get, get one-on-one, you know, two-on-one opportunities at the rim? And so the question is, what, which one do the Warriors pick? The, um, I think they're going to do their best to, to not have to pick one. I think they're going to do their best to try to uh, nullify both op- both options as much as possible. You've seen in the past uh, when when teams have picked one option, they, that's when they get blown out. You know, when they when they go all in on one option. Uh, when earlier in the season, Portland just completely neglected the perimeter and got blown out by like 40 in Houston, um, which you just can't do um, against this team. So I, I I think that they will probably, if they have to lean toward one, they'll probably leave more uh, room along the perimeter because they don't want to get gouged over and over by layups from Harden. That's, that you, it's one thing to get beat by threes. It's another thing to be – beaten by layup after layup after layup that that's demoralizing yeah, keep sending him to the line in the process probably too exactly and there's no one i think who is a more vocal critic of harden's uh tactics than than kerr if you remember earlier this season he had a new phone or something and he <laughs> forgot that he uh, uh he forgot how to use it or something and he ended up posting something i think on twitter about uh, complaining to someone about about Harden's traveling, and as we all know, there's nothing that bothers Steve Kerr more than than players that travel. I always love when I get to sit courtside in certain road arenas because I just hear him complain about travel call after travel call after travel call. There, in an average game, he probably complains to the ref about traveling over a dozen times. So, 
Yeah, he was. Uh, he he explained that as uh, dads on Twitter when uh, he he or that's what his wife Margot calls it because he. Uh, I think he thought he was sending a DM and he posted it on Twitter and then he had to he had to go back and figure it out. He also um the other day, well, a few weeks ago he was telling me that he um he with his new phone, he and his his wife and daughter were at a restaurant and they were ordering and talking about what to have and should we have the Pinot Noir and are you going to have the chicken and blah blah blah. And he looked down at his phone and it had been completely transcribed and was being ready to be sent to uh, Quinn Cook's uh, parents, <laughs> which <laughs> he's scared of his phone, basically. He thinks it's taking over. <laughs> that, that's, that's really funny. I uh, love that behind the, behind the scenes access you get with the one and only Ann Killian. Um, I don't want to look too far ahead here, but just just kind of look looking at the Eastern Conference right now, do you think that the winner of this series is pretty much going to be the winner of, of the NBA championship? To me, it looks like that. I just don't see either of these teams having much trouble with a Boston that is without their two best players or Cleveland that is massively flawed in a lot of ways. Yes, they do have a guy named LeBron James, but I just think that they're so flawed in a lot of ways. Do you think that this is kind of – the finals i mean in some respect yeah i i mean i think this is the sexiest matchup i always hate it when people say this is the real finals because no it's not because this this game this this series could go seven games easily it could you know take out players with injury or just wear them out so it's not the real finals the real finals is the real finals but i do think both these teams are superior to the teams in the east i think you know, this may be the worst version of the Cavaliers that we've seen, but at the same time, LeBron is, I think, you know, changing anyone who was a skeptic, and, and there have been skeptics throughout his career, is changing their mind because of what he's doing almost single-handedly. And and so, you know, that, that, um, that'll be fascinating whatever happens. If he gets him to the finals again, you know, with this team – He's amazing, and and I think he also will be satisfied to go to Los Angeles and say, "I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to live a happy life in L.A. And you know, if I don't win another championship, at least I know that you know I am, if not the greatest, one of the top two greatest. But um, and then Boston, you know, Boston even depleted, even without their two stars, they still. I just I think Brad Stevens a really good coach. They always give the Warriors trouble. Even with, you know, that was when they didn't have Hayward and they didn't have Kyrie. So, you know, I think they 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 play the Warriors tough. Um, but, yeah, you look at those rosters matched up against either one of Houston or, or the Warriors, and it's, it's hard to imagine that that wouldn't be a relatively short series um, in, in the finals. This one, however, could be long. And, you know, with a long series, you never know what's going to happen. I mean... I mean, injuries have plagued this team all year, um, and you know we we don't know what's going to happen. So um, it it I I think it's you know like we said at the start, yay! It's finally here. It's going to be exciting. As you just said, we don't know what's going to happen, but one of our jobs is to pretend like we know what's going to happen, <laughs> um, which I always love. You know, going on radio interviews and what have you. What's going to happen? I have no idea. I literally have no idea, but I can guess. Um, what What is your guess? What do you think happens? Um, I think that, well, I think 
the Warriors win it in six. If it goes to seven, I think Houston wins it. Why? Why is that? I think that uh, aside from game seven of uh, of the 2016 uh, finals, I think having the game seven at home is a huge advantage. And um, uh, I just, I think that it would be, now, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of how I feel. Um, but I'm almost always wrong. <laughs> so, so there you go. What do you think? I think Warriors in six, uh, kind of for the same reasons you just mentioned. I think that the Warriors get one in Houston, you know, one of these first two games. I also think Houston can probably get one of, you know, either game three or game four. And I see the Warriors probably closing it out at home. I just feel like with everything that's going to be on the line, all the history, uh, especially for for Houston, you know, this means a lot to the Warriors, but it means even more to to Houston because they've – They've put themselves out there publicly. This is the goal. We want this. They've put a lot on the line. They've put it all into this moment. And so they're going to they're gonna be so inspired to make this happen. I just think that it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which I just don't think they have an answer for Steph. And Steph is, I think, finally over the hump with, with his, his recovery from his knee injury. You know, he really started to look like himself in game five against New Orleans, 28 points on 10 for 16 shooting. More importantly, was doing the things that define his game. You know, was had those dizzying dribbling displays, was, was hitting the spot up 30 footers, you know, those things that were kind of absent earlier in the series. So I expect him to build on that. And I just don't think they have an answer. Whereas I do feel like, you know, I do feel like the, the Warriors have options to not shut down, but at least quell, you know, guys like Chris Paul and, and James Harden. So, yeah, Warriors in six, this could very well go seven. The one thing I am confident about is it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ann and I are going to be in Houston. Um, we're going to be we're going to be living it up in terms of working our butts off, but we're also going to be enjoying ourselves. So if you guys have any recommendations for uh, – for restaurants or, or anything like that, bars, restaurants, what have you, let us know. Um, we're going to try to find some free time. But, you know, there's this is such an important series. We're going to have plenty of work to do. Yeah, and on restaurant recommendations, um, we know about Papa Doe, so don't send that one in. But we know, but any other ones is, <laughs> would be very much welcome. And uh, let's hope it doesn't rain cats and dogs like it did the last time we were in Houston. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be going to Papa Doe regardless because I go there every time I go to Houston. So that one's fine. Um, but yeah, and probably Mexican food. I love Mexican food. Um, other Mexican restaurants. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And stay locked and loaded with us at sfchronicle.com going forward. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron and at Ann Killing. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.